has changed. It's no longer about nations, ideologies, or ethnicity. It's an endless series of proxy battles fought by mercenaries and machines. War and its consumption of life has become a well-oiled machine. War has changed. ID tag soldiers carry ID tag weapons, use ID tag gear. Nanomachines inside their bodies enhance and regulate their abilities. Genetic control, information control, emotion control, battlefield control. Everything is monitored and kept under control. has changed. The age of deterrence has become the age of control. All in the name of averting catastrophe from weapons of mass destruction. And he who controls the battlefield controls history. More has changed. Hello everyone and welcome back to Normie Frenia. Uh, on this episode uh, we are we are taking our maiden voyage back to China, where it all began. Um, this time, we're talking about The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And we're not, you know, reading cover to cover or anything. We're just going to pick uh, a few quotes and speak a little to them. And perhaps uh, think about how war has changed between, you know when this when this book was written and now and you see uh I don't, I don't for reference about this tristan um i actually uh before we started recording i got to sit down and do a quick uh interview with sun Tzu. he said he didn't want to be actually on the podcast but he told me that he pretty much wrote the book for like a bunch of dipshit nobles in china that didn't know how to wage wars and this is like a how to wage war manual for the most <laughs> dipshit nobles mm-hmm. and i think a lot of it's funny because a lot of the shit he says is like very self-explanatory if you have any kind of brain. But the way he words it is like sounds more artsy than it is. And if you just go through yes. and paraphrase line by line, it's it's more of a comedy than anything. <laughs> the divine comedy of war. For real. Um so Kinda there's like a quote. Solid five. What's what what is your what's your quote from Metal Gear Solid Five that you're thinking of? No, no, I just said it's kinda like Metal Gear Solid Five war comedy oh war comedy absolutely um there's a quote that i think is i don't think it's by sun Tzu. oh yeah 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 it's a thucydides i'm mispronouncing i'm butchering that name right thucydides no yes thucydides said uh (laughs) the nation that makes a great distinction between its scholars and its warriors will have its thinking done by cowards and its fighting done by fools um, that's not quite an art of war quote, but I think it is a, a decent thing to to keep in mind in the context of what Vinny said, in that Sun Tzu was just like a normal general who had to basically dumb down what soldiers found to be pretty common sense uh, for a bunch of people who have probably never fought in a war in their entire lives. But we're expected to command them. Yes. So this is a situation where the the fighting might have been done by fools and 
by fools, and in this case, it is fifth century Chinese peons. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, cowards that are doing the commanding are uh, people with the longest beards in the world. True. Um, is there a is there a particular quote that comes to mind that you would like to start with? Uh, I gotta, I gotta find it. But it is the, uh, to me, it's the epitome of, like, the no shit principle that I brought up earlier. Um, yes. If, if you want to just keep bullshitting while I find it. Okay. Um, so, I, I really like that every Sun Tzu quote essentially boils down to, uh, if you know you will win, win. Yeah. If you know you will lose, do not lose. <laughs> that's, that's actually the thing I was going to bring up if I can fucking find it. Hang on. Uh, it's right after he says all warfare is based on deception. All warfare is based. Which by itself is like fucking hilarious. I saw a Sun Tzu quote earlier at work that like I saw it and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Uh, I think the quote verbatim was... If a man stands by the river long enough, he will see the bodies of his enemies float by. Is that referring to the importance of like controlling bodies of water? Or <laughs> okay, is uh, all warfare is based on deception? Hence, when we are able to attack, we must seem unable. When using our forces, we must seem inactive. When we are near, we must make the enemy believe we are far away. When far away, we must make him believe we are near. Basically, don't tell him what the fuck you're doing. And make it seem like you're doing the opposite of whatever you're doing. I just found the most bullshit. Okay, so for, for reference, everyone, I actually have a physical copy of The Art of War in my hands right now. And I'm just flipping through it. And some of this is retarded. Downright retarded. This is what the book says uh, straight up. Mm. If in training soldiers' commands are habitually enforced, the army will be well-disciplined. If not, its <laughs> discipline will be bad. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I would say that this is a timeless quote. Um, if you do a good job, you will be good. If you do a bad job, you will be bad. And I really think that's that's really something <laughs> special. Oh, uh, hang on. Let me find the one about commanders. There's one. Oh, fuck. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, shit, I can't find it now. Okay, but it's basically along the lines of... Fuck, okay. Fuck, I can't find it. Um, Let it be known that Vinny has failed one of the key uh, tenets of the art of war. Never be unprepared. <laughs> Man. Oh my, oh my god. There is a huh. quote in here which just says straight up, ground which can be freely traversed by both sides, both sides is called accessible. <laughs> I don't even, we did not. Oh, I thought, oh here it is. I thought when we decided to do an episode about this that there might be something more prolific about this, but there is not at all. See what I mean? It's a fucking comedy. Okay, I found the thing I was looking for. Okay. Um, line 15 and 16. No, sorry. Just line 15 of the book. The general that hearkens to my command and acts upon it will conquer. Let such one be retained in command. The general that hearkens not to my counsel nor acts upon it will suffer defeat. Let such one be dismissed. Make sure your generals fucking listen to your orders, and if they don't, fire them. That's that's his big fucking like bombshell beginning of the book. 
Okay, I actually honestly think that the one I'm reading now might be the least retarded quote so far. Yeah. Hence the saying, if you know the enemy and know yourself, your victory will not stand in doubt. If you know heaven and know earth, you may make your victory complete. That's great. That's good writing. I like that a lot. I I have a different translation of that. Um, I'm assuming you're talking about the end of chapter three. I'm talking about the end of chapter 10, at least in my book. Okay, because there's this other line, and I've seen it posted a fuck ton. In okay. uh, not like imagine, oh, fuck, not like Sigma grind set things, but like you know the things that student athletes would post in high school. Sure, like, generic quotes like that. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, I've seen this one like way overused. But if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of one hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory you also suffer defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, then you will succumb in every battle. Like, I get it. You should know your strengths and your enemy's weaknesses. But that's such a bullshit line for what he's saying. Like, don't be stupid and know your enemy probably also isn't stupid. Do you think he hammed this up just because the nobles were, like, intellectuals who were like, if we look at bones in a fire, we can tell the future? Probably, yeah. (laughs) This translation has the term willy-nilly written in it. There's a this <laughs> translation has the word like is I think it's like super super something. Super super, abu- super abundant as one word. I think that's a word. Super abundance? Absolutely. Hypersaturation is a word. Yeah, but this is just I don't know, putting super as a prefix just sounds Here's weird. the full quote of that one. Thus, the skillful general conducts his army just as though he were leading a single man willy-nilly by the hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, very wise. <laughs> mm. Ming Dynasty pussy got me acting unwise. Oh, this is, this is a good one. In the words of Sun Tzu... <clears throat> There are not more than five musical notes. There's more to that sentence, but I think it's just better if you cut it off. All warfare is based. Oh, there are not more than five primary colors. I don't know if that's that. That's wrong. What you said is wrong. You overcounted <laughs> primary colors. <laughs> you undercounted the notes, overcounted the colors. Oh, that was a quote. Yes, that is that's him oh, I saying thought, that. I thought you were. I oh, thought you I'm, were making a parody. No, that's. <laughs> there's no greater parody than the shit he said himself. Five wow. colors, count them. If the enemy leaves a door open, you must rush in. <laughs> what? What? This book is stupid. There is. is stupid. There is. Um, chapter six, I enjoy a lot. Um, yeah. It's a bit much to read word for word, but it's pretty much like talking about flanking. Uh-huh. Uh, like, if you show up first, then the enemy has to rush to meet you, and then you have him on the back foot. Um, let's see, where else? Uh, if he's, like, big chilling, you shouldn't let him big chill. You should fuck with him. Make sure you cut off his food supply, surround him, that kind of thing. 
And then he has this uh, one really poetic line again. Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> oh, divine art of subtlety and secrecy. Through you, we learn to be invisible. Through you, inaudible. And hence, we can hold the enemy's fate in our hands. Like, he definitely had to ham that up. There's no way he just wrote that shit. I like, uh, I like this one here. <laughs> in war, let your great object be victory. <laughs> <laughs> imagine having to convince a bunch of nobles you're like hey man the objective of war is to win (laughs) they had no idea before he who can modify his tactics in relation to his opponent and thereby succeed in winning may be called a heaven born captain this is bizarre oh wait till you find out about his five elements I would love to hear about his five take elements. A, take a guess at what the five elements are. I bet one is deception. No. Or you're, money. You're thinking too philosophically, literally. What are the five elements? Uh, um, man. Nope. Earth. That's one of them. Um. Mm, sky. Nope. Fire. Yeah. So. Water. I, shut up. Uh, the five are water. <laughs> Fire, wood, metal, and earth. Bro is in the last airbender. Except they added uh There's no there's no air and they added wood and metal. What a metal bender is that wait, that is a thing, right? That's part of the earth yeah, tribe. It's 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 like really good earth benders, I think. Yeah, what about what about wood benders? Um that's what your mama is. Man. Ah. Man. Sun Tzu ain't say that. Uh, Sun Tzu said, uh, do them dirty in front of their squad. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I just did that. You did You did it dirty to your squad. Implying your squad ain't listening to this more than my squad. My Sorry, squad I'm... is... A, college educated too too bright for podcasts if the enemy is taking his ease he can harass him if well supplied with food he can starve him out if quietly encamped he can force him to move oh my gosh the stronger men will be in the front the jaded ones will fall behind and on this plan only one tenth of your army will reach destination an army may march great distances without distress <laughs> if it marches through country where the enemy is not. <laughs> no way. It's real easy to walk somewhere if there aren't people trying to fucking stab you on the way. What? Oh my gosh. Okay, this one's funny. This one's this one seems like he was actually trying to be funny when he said this. This has to be a joke. Huh. If we do not wish to fight, we can prevent the enemy from engaging us, even though the lines of our encampment may be merely traced out on the ground. All we need to do is throw something odd and unaccountable in his way. (laughs) (laughs) Random bullshit, go! As Sun Tzu once said, if you don't want to fight him, just fuck with him. Honestly. There are five dangerous faults which may affect the general. One, recklessness, which leads to destruction. Two, cowardice, which leads to capture. Three, a hasty temper, which can be provoked by insults. Four, a delicacy of honor, which is sensitive to shame. And five, over 
solicitude for his men, which exposes him to worry and trouble. So, if he doesn't care, he's bad. If he cares too much, he's bad. All right. I, I, every time I read one, it gets this book it gets more and more retarded. I understand that it was written almost 3,000 years ago. I get it. But still, tell me this was not common sense. And if we are able thus to attack an inferior force with a superior one, our opponents will be in dire straits. <laughs> All armies prefer, prefer high ground to low and sunny places to dark. Oh, my days. I really thought when, like, I was thinking about this episode at work, I was like, all right, this is going to be our first serious episode in a while. You know, we're going to we're not going to be silly about this. And then I read, if you have a strong army and they have a weak army, you will likely win. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just can't do it. I just can't look at this and say, ah, yes, very wise. Oh, very smart. What? Uh, Chapter nine. So in war. Sorry, chapter 11. No fucking way. So what? in war, the way is to avoid what is strong and to strike at what is weak. No fucking way that someone had to be taught that. Yeah, that's what he told me in our in uh, mine and his exclusive interview before the episode. Like, literally just like, no shit Sherlock for dipshit nobles, the book. Uh, chapter 11 is titled The Nine Situations, where... He, rec- he recognizes the nine types of ground. Uh, disparative. Di- dis- yeah, dis- oh, sorry, dispersive. Uh, facile. F- F-A-C-I-L-E. Facile? 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 Uh, contentious ground. Open ground. Ground of intersecting highways. Serious ground. <laughs> <laughs> Difficult ground. Hemden Sun Tzu invented ground? serious putty. <laughs> and, and desperate ground. Hang on, what is his description of serious ground? I have to know. When the army well, is penetrated been... into the heart of a hostile country, leaving a field of fortified cities in its rear, it is serious ground. I got a fortified city in my rear. Hey, yo. Here's another banger, a banger lesson from old Sun Tzu. Maneuvering with an army is advantageous. With an undisciplined multitude, most dangerous. That's also the one that just sounds most Chinese. <laughs> we shall we shall be unable to turn natural advantages to account unless we make use of local guides. I can't imagine that, like... The people that had to be told this ended up founding the longest lasting single country in the world. Like, China is the oldest still standing nation. And they had to be told these things. Uh, I, I believe he, right here in chapter six, he explains the whole divide and conquer thing. Yeah. Should the enemy strengthen his van, he will weaken the rear. Should he strengthen his rear, he will weaken his van. Should he strengthen his left, he will weaken his right. Strengthen the right, weaken the left. If he sends reinforcements everywhere, he will everywhere be weak. Where in this book does he start writing about why we need to bury people alive and eat them? (laughs) 
if your enemy uh, if your enemy is fat, eat him. <laughs> if he's skinny, bury several thousand soldiers alive. <laughs> no way! This is a line in the book, and it's it just says beginning to end. Ponder and deliberate before you make a move. <laughs> no way. Be wise. Be what? Be very wise. M much pondering and deliberation. Gongs and drums, banners and flags are means whereby the ears and eyes of the host may be focused at one particular point. Shit's loud and bright. People will look at it. Like this is so fucking stupid. Oh, at the very end of chapter seven, there is the line, "Such is the art of warfare." I'm looking at that right this second. In yeah, fact. yeah, I'm in that part of the book right now. Variation in tactics. Wait, I, wait, I think... wait, 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 wait. Here's an important one for all you people on the internet. Swallow swallow this one, all right? Take this one to the bank. Do not swallow bait offered by the enemy. Do not interfere with an army that is returning home. <laughs> Keep that shit in mind, please, for the love of God. Don't swallow bait. Please do not swallow bait. Man, come on. You know what? You know what? There is actually one thing in this book that I don't think modern armies do enough. And oh. maybe if they do, I don't know about it. But I feel like we gotta go back to just stealing people's shit. I think the last like I didn't hear about it much in until the end until the US withdrawal from Afghanistan and the beginning of the war in Ukraine. That is when yeah. I heard about enemy combatants jacking shit from the other side. But that's mostly because the US just left it there. Um right. and then and then Slavic people just fucking love stealing. Um Did you hear um so you know how the U.S. recently released uh, Victor Bout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, allegedly, allegedly, he is working with a deal with the Afghanis to sell the leftover U.S. equipment to Russia, which I think oh, is yeah. fucking hilarious. So fucking funny. Like, we let the Lord of War out for, like, 30 seconds, and he was right back at it for Russia. Like, like the people we are currently at war with, kind of. Right back at it, dude. Right back at it. The grind never stops. The grind. Even Ethan Hawke puts you in jail. For real. You seen that movie? The Lord of... Uh, yeah. Who has you seen Lord seen of war? war? Yeah. Uh, so, Lord, Lord of War, that's, uh, that's great because... Um, that's a great movie because Ethan Hawke, Soyjack, Nicolas Cage, Chad. True. Am I Nicolas right, fellas? Cage... Not to get horribly off topic, Nicolas Cage is like, I like him as an actor a lot. He's one of the best actors of all time. I'm sorry, I'll say it. he's one of the best actors ever. I wouldn't say he's one of the best nope. actors ever. Have but you I seen like him have a you, lot? Like, he you gotta watch like his entire filmography and you'll realize that man is a genius. Anyway, uh, he's very wise. I think he's over memed for what he does. Like, I think some of his movies are kind of like obviously fucking. Uh, National Treasure, right? Fucking Cheese Fest, but... Uh, don't say that. No. National Treasure rules. Alright? National Treasure rocks. <laughs> that's our 
That's the official podcast stance. Take that to the bank. The National Treasure movies are good. But you cannot argue that it's cheesy as fuck. But it's like it's like early 2000s. It's like what made the early 2000s like uh, movie theater experiences so comfy. Cheese? No. Just like being just a fun romp. It does, it's not necessarily cheesy. Like uh, maybe his, the remake of Wicker Man was cheesy like that was bizarrely acted an insane plot by the way absolutely absurd but uh it's funny but the national treasure movies are just actually good movie there's more than one yeah since when since um give me one second do i want to know fuck i don't uh why are there why are there more than one there's in fact Two. As of as of two thousand seven. Yeah, there's uh there's National Treasure One, which came out in two thousand four, and that's where they steal the Declaration of Independence. Right. And then there's National Treasure Two, in two thousand seven, where um. They are trying to find some. Masonic treasure, I think, that involves the different statues of liberty and some conspirator in the assassination of Lincoln. Uh, I think, yeah, but it was awesome. It was, it was so, ba- it was banging. Uh, and then there's a new show which I will not acknowledge. Will I don't, not I don't believe it. The first thing people ask on Google is National Treasure Book of Secrets, a true story. Anyway. My goodness. Anyway, yeah. So I I really do think that there is not enough stealing and plundering anymore. Um, I think if we brought that back, warfare would be funnier. I I think that would give... I couldn't find it in this one, but it basically said like... Like, one wagon of supplies taken from your enemy is worth ten of your own supplies. Yes. Which, like, that entire passage was pretty much just him saying, hey, you can only carry so much shit. Eventually, you'll run out of the ability to carry shit. So try well, to I think take shit from the enemy. Carry all of your own. I would, Im- I would interpret it a little bit differently in the se- in saying that one one of your wagons is worth 10 of an enemy's wagons because if you take something from them you're not paying for it but they have to pay to replace it yeah and so if you continually take from them they can't recuperate what you've taken unless they exhaust more resources to mount a force to take it back if you keep ganking they shit that's good I like how we're taking this like two thousand five hundred year old book and just rewriting it in ebonics. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's she may if it's nighttime hit him. <laughs> we should do that. That's you know, I just a you. just a racist reinterpretation of the art of war. You know, what's funny if I told Cam to to write art of war in thugcraft terms, he totally fucking would. Like without a Please do. Out. It's not. A, it's not a long book. You guys could do it in a day. Yeah, like like cut it up between. <sighs> Fuck. I'm I'm putting it in the Discord right now. Shit, uh, man. If they got more fools than you, do not get them. 
Um, Yo, general demoralized. Shit. Do I do I ask him to do that in challenges or general? Probably just DM it to him on Instagram. All right, I'll put yeah, I'll put it in the sweet little baby's group chat. All right. He's still. I asked him to add me back to that, and he hasn't. But um, I'll do that. If the, if your enemy asks you for peace, and they don't be they don't be swearing a covenant, they probably doing something shady. Fool. <laughs> I got you, every time he mentions water, you just gotta replace it with the word henny. <laughs> no. Make Cameron do it. <laughs> it's title of this episode, make Cameron do it. No, because that doesn't that doesn't tell us what the episode's about. Yeah, yeah. Alright, I, I told them that If we you in they hood, you in danger. What, why do you say danger like that? You said the, I thought uh, it was I the feel widest like danger I've ever heard. I feel like I'm doing an impression of someone, but I can't remember who. You in danger. Like, you in I, danger. I can't, I can't even, like, fuck. No, you didn't do it like that. You said, like, the most fucking honky way I've ever heard. Listen, man, some of us work full-time jobs before we come here to record the greatest podcast of all time. Yeah, yeah. I, I do full-time schooling. I do 16 hours, 16 credit hours a day. You A day? You you do 16 cl- hours of class a day? Yep. No, you do not. Yeah, I do. Are you telling me... Are you telling me... Do you have classes on Saturdays and Sundays? Yep. Every so day. Are you telling me that you... Hours. Are you telling me you're basically working 112 hours a week nonstop? Yeah. Ain't no way. Ain't no fucking way. You're right. I'm lying. All warfare is based <laughs> on deception. Man, I swallowed the bait offered by the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lazy, but I made you, but I appeared studious. <laughs> uh, if if the enemy if the enemy is in <laughs> poker night, assume that he is studying. <laughs> <laughs> The five, the five dangerous faults which may affect a general. Poker night. Alcohol. Uh, fist fighting. Um, movie night. And Minecraft. Shit. No, cigarettes make you sharp. Cigarettes make you keen, in the words of Sun Tzu. They make a general keen. Unless you overindulge, then you kind of feel sick. That's right. That's right. Actually, are you smoking those Chinese cigarettes still? You smoking no, them Art of no, War no, cigs? I, <laughs> I, I smoked three Chinese cigarettes, and then I was... I, man, those are so fucking weird. Um, <laughs> to the average listener who's never smoked a Chinese cigarette, let me describe the experience for you. Um, first of all, they're, like, notably thicker than American cigarettes, or at least the, like... Whatever, they're notably thicker, and they're a lot stubbier. Like maybe maybe two thirds to three quarters of the length of a normal cigarette, and they like they hit a lot quicker. It's like everything and then nothing. There's no like lasting cigarette feeling with them really, and they taste a lot chemicalier. Uh, 
which I may have just been poisoned. I was given Chinese poison cigarettes. But my my strong American lungs simply fought it off. <laughs> you appeared head buzzed when really you were chief in that hoe. <laughs> For real. <laughs> you could say I was on accessible ground. This is bizarre. I like I said, I in my in my headspace all day was I'm really excited for another serious episode where we we talk about almost three thousand year old Chinese war literature and it's still funny. I don't know how Chinese people do it, but they just make the most serious topics so funny. Predicting the future? Oh, what if we burned bones and that will tell us the future? Oh, we want to build a big wall? Fun fact, the foundation is just human bones. Uh fucking they invented artillery way before anyone else. Didn't fucking uh, use it. Didn't fucking didn't use fucking it. Use, didn't fucking use it. Uh, someone invades their country, their strategy, get addicted to heroin. <laughs> and keep buying it from the people invading keep, Yeah, keep buying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine writing the book on war and you just always lose? They wrote the fucking book on war and they lost. They have never have Chinese people ever really won a war even against themselves. Uh, I feel like it's just several L after hundred thousand buried alive or eaten alive. <laughs> um, fucking World War Two against Japan. I don't think they really won that. They didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> Like Dude, they were a pretty good meat that was, shield, but even even politically it was so scuffed because it was like uh the fascists and the communists had to like tentatively agree with each other just because they didn't want to be destroyed by the Japanese. I hate and you what, and you hate me, but we both fucking hate the Japanese. So for now, it's, let's just chill the fuck out. It's interesting that we joke about like Eastern Europe being this like war torn hellscape where they all hate each other for arbitrary reasons. But Asian people have been doing it for, like, 5,000 <laughs> continuous years. Well, no, because it's not... Okay, in Eastern Europe, they hate each other for, like, asinine reasons. Like, oh, there's just a line there, right? This person lives on the other side of this line that we drew. We're both ethnically pretty much the same fucking race. But someone drew a line here, so I hate those guys, right? In Asia, it's like, some guy is claiming to be the younger brother of Jesus Christ, and we have to show him why he's no, wrong. No, not even that. You, I mean, I'm looking at an article right now, a Chinese news article, that just says, why is anti-Korean racism in Japan on the rise again? <laughs> no, Asian people, Asian people in Asia, for some reason, just have weird beef. And again, there's at least, at least that makes sense, because there's enough, like, room between those two peoples for it to make sense that there's some kind of animosity right that's not like some imaginary line that's a fucking ocean between them i can kind of see why there's like an us versus them thing in eastern europe it's just it's just lines it's just random borders that's i don't know like but is. like north korea is like attached by land to china right and even before like the korean war there was still right. beef Japan, beef. They're all of the same descent. That is essentially an Eastern European situation. Yakub? Did Yakub make Asian people? Let's Google this. Uh, yeah, I'll look it up. 
Uh, it says he created the white race. It doesn't say anything about Asians. Huh. Yeah, there's there's no there's, the nation of Islam has never tackled where Asian people come from. <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> they were just there. It's funny. Maybe maybe in lore, it's like they predate everyone else. They were just always there. If you think about it, right? Uh-huh. Asian people are kind of like the great constant. Like, anything can happen to Asia, and they're always just there. You know? Yeah. Yes. Like, a great plague could come through, and no one really knows... Like, there's no ever like a notable difference. Like, look yeah, at China. Th- they that's where the Black Plague came from. Japan was hit with two nukes, the most powerful weapons ever made. Just still there. Um, yeah. Fifty million casualty war. No one even knows about it outside, <laughs> unless you care to read. Like a a war that rivals the two most bloody conflicts in human history. No one knows. No one no, knows about it. No one. It's it's insane. I, I have great respect for every single Asian person for just going through the most brutal things ever. Like And just shrugging it off. Const- constantly. There's never like there's never a dull moment in Asia. <laughs> They're always on the cutting edge of the most asinine of human behavior. A whole country that's obsessed with plastic surgery. Wow. Well, like, uh... Even uh, fuck, I forget which country it is. I think it's like Thailand or something. Um, where before white people were even there, they were bleaching their skin to look whiter, just because they thought that was like socially like cool. Like it was cool to look whiter. They like independently contrived the like uh old European thing that if you were pale, it meant you were rich because you weren't working the field. Maybe I don't know. Because like that, that's a. Uh... That's like that's what I learned in that's what I learned in history class in the tenth grade was like if you were pale and fat it meant that you were rich and yeah just rich senator you were huh yeah you get to sit on your ass all day and you get you have plenty of food to eat mostly like fancy breads and sweets and meat and then if you were like it was weird to be skinny and tan because it meant you were a bum like a bum who worked the field I uh. I woke up Sunday at 4 p.m. as one does after a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And uh, I woke up to a knock at the door. And who else walks in? Sun Tzu. Michael with a freshly baked loaf of fucking bread. (laughs) He worked the grain fields and produced it with his own bare hands. He did. He, He made it from scratch. And he and he shared it with me and my roommate. The same man who, for the longest time, was eating saltines for every meal had the had the time and money and resources to craft bread by from by by his own hands. Uh, if you look in your Discord server and go into the quote board, most recently I just, he posted a quote from me, and it says, "Maybe in a past life you were some kind of bore." Um, that was me referencing him, uh, cause he is literally an animal, right? So like, 
He's a very good baker. He makes good breads. But for a mm-hmm. lot of his meals, he just sits eating raw oats like a farm animal. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's a horse. He sits Bro, and eats got the raw oats. We were at dinner an hour ago, right? Yeah. He, he goes, he grabs an apple, and he bites the top off. This is this is depraved. Like he took off the stem in his defense, but he still just bit the top. He ate the entire. He is apple. embracing. He is embracing the art of war, and like you will never know his next move, but you also have some idea that it's going to be absolutely un- like insane. <laughs> he doesn't want to fight, so he keeps on throwing asinine shit at the enemy. Yeah, he is. He is throwing obstacles in your path that you cannot predict because you will never be able to confront him about any of this because you won't even know where to start yeah you're cre- you're entering the michael hall of mirrors right now and it's filled it's filled with apples and oats <laughs> oh my gosh i bet you know what if you take that apple from him that's worth 10 of your apples it's that's true an apple in the hand is worth 10 at home an apple in the hand is worth ten in Michael's mouth. <laughs> True. <laughs> we should put ten apples into Michael's mouth. You know what? You know what? But make Actually, him believe a, there are fewer apples in his mouth. He, here is an excellent quote for how you could defeat Michael. Yeah? If the enemy is taking his ease, you can harass him. If well supplied with food, you can starve him out. If quietly encamped, you can force him to move. <laughs> If Michael is relaxing, you can harass him. If he is fed, you can start if if you are fed, you can starve him. And if he and if you are quietly encamped, you can force him out of relaxation. <laughs> you have to you have to push Michael into some sort of nervous breakdown. <laughs> and only when you do that will he start eating normal food. Uh, you know, okay. Oh, here's I, another one. The very next quote. Yep. Appear at points which the enemy must hasten to defend. March swiftly to places when you are where you are not expected. <laughs> Start showing up in Michael's classes, just <laughs> auditing his audit his classes and sit next to him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, there there's this thing he does. I'm not sure if he'd be comfortable with me sharing what he does. So I don't think anyone gonna... knows who Michael is, just but... by. But I still value his privacy, so okay, I'm only okay. gonna the say who... half of what it is. Okay, um, Michael, when you get to this part of the episode, no, I am referencing the sock thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing inappropriate or like that absurd. It's just a little weird. Michael, shit in your hand and jack off. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Now we were talking right. about uh, balancing muscle imbalances by uh, by changing up your jacking off grip. Okay. Like, uh, obviously left and right. Are you familiar with re- reverse grip? I can imagine, like you flip your thumb facing down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's it, because that works tricep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome for everyone listening. And you fucking coomers out there. Bitch. So where did where is this going? Uh I don't plan my bits, Tristan. I just speak. 
What does this have to do with the Michael Sock thing? That was just something we were talking about. That, that no Is that related, related to... That was just another okay. thing we were talking about at lunch today. Or dinner, rather. Okay. Um, uh, last line of the book. Hence, it is only the enlightened ruler and the wise general who are used the highest intelligence of the army for purposes of spying and thereby achieve great results. Spies are a most important element in water because on them depends an army's ability to move. Sweet. What? What the fuck is the end? Hang on. Spies are a most important element in water. Are you because having some sort of like dyslexic moment or something? Depends on army's ability to move. What the fuck? Last line of the book. Tell me if that makes fucking sense to you. Spies Hold are on. most important element in water. Does it mean like sailing? The Chinese fought land wars. What the fuck's he on about? Um, hence, it is only the enlightened ruler and the wise general who will use the highest intelligence of the army for purposes of spying. Thereby, they achieve great results. Spies... I'm going to look, I'm going to read upwards a little bit. Because um... he makes references to, to water as like an analogy or like way earlier in the book, but it's not referenced anywhere in this paragraph. So it's weird. Um, I think it, it maybe ties to an earlier thing in the book where he says that um, armies like water... water Armies like water f- flow downwards, and that's why you want high ground. And um, something about uh, rivers having irregular flow, like they'll. You can't really predict a river's path if you can't see it. Okay, here know. it is. Um, military tactics are like unto water, for water in its natural course runs away from high places and hates its downwards. So in war, the way is to avoid what is strong and to strike at what is weak. Water shapes its course according to the nature of the ground over which it flows. The water, the soldier works out his victory in relation to the foe whom he is facing. Therefore, just as water retains no constant shape, so in warfare there are no constant conditions. He who can modify his tactics in relation to his opponent and thereby succeed in winning may be called a heaven-born captain. So spies being a most important element in water... Spies, I feel like, often move ahead of the army they're fighting for. Allows you to adapt. So, yeah, if you send the spy forward in this in this so-called water, you have knowledge of the river you are walking down, the metaphorical river. Yeah. The quotes before it don't... I'm going to read, like, the page, like, the three little paragraphs leading up to this quote. All right. Um... So this starts basically in the middle of a chapter, obviously. But lastly, it is by his information that the surviving spy can be used on appointed occasions. The end and aim of spying in all its five varieties is... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going to move backwards now. Lean back. See if they... see... Okay, okay. Hence the use of spies of whom there are five classes. Local spies, inward spies, converted spies, doomed spies, and surviving spies. 
Having local spies means employing the services of the inhabitants of a district. Having inward spies, making use of officials of the enemy. Having converted spies, getting hold of the enemy spies and using them for our own purposes. Having doomed spies, doing certain things openly for purposes of deception and allowing our spies to know of them and report them to the enemy. Surviving spies, finally, are those who bring back news from the enemy's camp. Hence, it is that which none of none in the whole army are more intimate relations to be maintained than with spies. None should be more liberally rewarded. In no other business should greater secrecy be preserved. Sun Tzu predicted the CIA, and the Sun's, the CIA seems to operate by the rules of the art of war. Almost entirely, actually. Huh. That's pretty cool. No, it's not. It's quite, quite foul. I, I like Spies cannot... Big fan of huh? the CIA. Alright, that means we're going to start getting ad reads, and the algorithm will like us. I love the Please. CIA, and the FBI, and the ATF. Um, I love gun control, and illegal immigration. And um, plus number five fucked my wife. Spies cannot be usefully employed without a certain intuitive sagacity. Sagacity? I don't know what that word means. Hey. They cannot be properly managed without benevolence and straightforwardness. Oh, never mind. The CIA hates this book. <laughs> without subtle ingenuity of mind, one cannot make certain of the truth of their reports. Huh? Be subtle, be subtle, and use your spies for every kind of... Oh, no. Use your spies for every kind of business. If a secret piece of news is divulged by a spy before the time is ripe, he must be put to death together with the man whom, to whom the secret was told. <laughs> Whether the object be to crush an army, to storm a city, or to assassinate an individual, it is always necessary to begin by finding out the names of the attendants, the aides to camp, and doorkeepers and sentries of the general in command. Our spies must be commissioned to ascertain these. We're just gonna kill them. The enemy spies who have come to spy on us must be sought out, tempted with bribes, led away, and comfortably housed. Thus, they will become converted spies and available for our service. It is through the information brought by the converted spies that we are able to acquire and employ local and inward spies. It is owing to his information again that we can cause the doomed spy to carry false tidings to the enemy. Oh. Well, I, okay, and then this is when we begin the page that the spies are our most important element in water. So, yeah, I guess this metaphorical water is the river, and the river starts with your army and leads all the way to the end of the enemy civilization. Hmm. You know what? This did turn out to be reflective and meditative. Yo, mama meditative. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I hate to have, like, poisoned Minecraft brain, but a lot of this is reminding me of, like, the shit we do on Thugcraft, as far as, like, the warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of shit, like, psychological warfare that goes on on Thugtopia, where it's just fucking with the enemy to the point where they either get annoyed with you and don't want to fight anymore, or you just, like, have one massive show of force, and they're like, oh, that guy's strong, and they don't, they stop fucking with you. Uh... I've... I think the art of war might. I wonder when the art of war like reached a non-Chinese noble audience. I can or if this find is, that. or if this is all common sense that eventually the world just passively realized. Art of war dis 
distribution. Man. Art of War spread. Hmm. Wait, what the shit? History, sorry, nationalgeographic.org has it listed as uh, written by the ancient Chinese strategist Sun Zi. One word. S-U-N-Z-I. So, I think they're the same. Probably. Um... If you type Sun Tzu into Google, it immediately returns to Sun Tzu. Oh, also known as Sun Tzu. Yep, um, uh, Sun Tzu is pin, Pinyin, which is is the often romantic romance romanization system for standard Mandarin Chinese, and to some extent in Singapore and Malaysia. Art of War is written a, most. Uh, sorry, it's hard to know when it was written, but it was between four seventy five and two twenty one B C. So this is, like, Roman Empire is still fucking around. Wait, so what year was the book written? Between 475 and 221 BC, during the Warring States period. Uh, I don't think I don't think so. What? Because Sun Tzu was born in 544 BC and died in 496 BC. Most scholars believe it was written between that date and that date. They also cannot be sure about the details about the life of its author, Sun Tzu. But they believe he was working for the Wu state. He died in the Wu state. <laughs> they should... That should be the new name for the friend zone. The Wu state. Or uh, the talking <laughs> phase. Whatever. The Han Dynasty historian Sima Qian and other traditional Chinese historians place him as a minister to King Heilu of Wu and dated his lifetime to 544 to 496 BCE. Modern scholars accepting his historically place... Modern, his modern scholars accepting his historicity place the extant p text of the Art of War in the later Warring States period of 475 to 221 BCE based on its style of composition and its description of warfare. Traditional accounts state that the general's descendant, Sun Bin, wrote a treatise on military tactics, also titled The Art of War. Um, Since both okay. Sun Wu and Sun Bin were referred to as Sun Tzu in classical Chinese text, some historians believe them identical prior to the rediscovery of Sun Bin's treatise in 1972. Chairman Mao Zedong cited The Art of War as part of the, Chinese Repu the People's Republic of China's military success. What military success, dog? You lost every war. What wars did they even fight? Uh, World War II. I, I, that, that was before the uh, the PRC. No, it wasn't. They I mean, they Mount they existed because China was in like its civil war between the two, sort of. Okay, yeah, but I'm thinking like unified China post World War II, right? And there's just one big country. Right? That that's when that happened. Post World War Two. Uh the PRC. What when was fucking Mao in power? Let's see. Let's see. So they were let's I'm actually gonna pull up uh the Chinese Oh uh Yuan Shikai Republic the Republic of China has existed since what? World War One? 
again, it was in a Civil War thing. Um, the Republic of China between 1912 and 1949 was a sovereign state recognized as the official designation of China prior to its relocation of its central government to Taiwan. Okay. Oh, funny. It says Mao Zedong was in office from 1943 to 1976, right? I'm going to go with those numbers, right? Is that, is that cool with you? Sure. Yeah, the nationalist government was in the Nanjing decade of 1927 to 1937. Okay. Okay, so between 1943 and 1976, what wars did China fight and win? Like 1943 and 1976, you said? Yeah, like there was Vietnam, World War Korea. Two. World War II. I'm not counting the World War II. That was the, a done deal by the time the, you were The Ely Rebellion, which was 1944 to 1949. Also known as the Pei Ta Shan Incident, which had one battle, the Battle of Baitog Bogd. The second phase of the Chinese Civil War from 1945 to – just go to the list of Chinese wars and open up the modern-day category and just scroll down to the years you're looking for. I am on there right now. Lots and lots of battles. Oh Campaign my God. to suppress bandits in Wuping. <laughs> Campaign Medieval to suppress times. bandits in southern China. This is 1950. Campaign to suppress bandits in Longmont. They're Not in... the fucking highwaymen. Like, this is all just campaigns to suppress bandits. <laughs> Why are there so many fucking bandits? Okay, hang on. Hang on. One, two, three, four. Oh, the uh, annexation of Tibet. Five, How could we have six, seven, eight, that? nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve campaigns to suppress bandits just in 1950. Just 1950. Bandits. Okay. All right. All right. We got the annexation of Tibet in 1950, which had two battles, two notable events. We had the Korean War, which I think China was actually an active participant in as opposed to Vietnam. Um, The Sino-Indian War uh, was a one-month-long war over a Himalayan border region. Um, The Sino-Soviet border conflict... Vietnam War, the Sino-Vietnamese War, the Sino-Vietnamese conflicts, and oh, and how could we forget the China-India skirmishes of 2020 to 2022? Have we talked about have, those? Um, so this is really where Chinese art of war comes to the funniest moment ever. Somehow, somehow funnier than uh, really anything else ever. Um, so basically there have been like actual, uh, I think real casualties, Yeah. but basically what it is for the most part is Chinese soldiers and Indian soldiers and police just showing up at the board, at their border, just random places at the border and just beating the shit out of each other with their bare hands. Which kind of goes hard. In late May, Chinese forces objected to Indian road construction in the Galwan River Valley. According to Indian sources, melee fighting on the 15th and 16th of June 2020 resulted in the deaths of Chinese and Indian soldiers. Media reports stated that soldiers were taken captive on both sides. Imagine a fist fight where prisoners get taken. That's <laughs> that's a brawl. Uh. 
they started shooting at each other and then blamed each other for the shooting. Um, uh, I, I'm seeing here. Um, let's see. Let's keep reading a little bit. So they're basically just fighting about a big road. For two, the last two years, they've been fist fighting about a road. I mean, hey, happens. Apparently, the governments of both countries are saying that there are enough bilateral mechanisms to revolve, resolve the situation, and the their soldiers just keep showing up and beating each other. <laughs> the governments are cool with each other, but the soldiers aren't. Uh, apparently, the Indian the Indian government has banned over two hundred Chinese apps, including Alibaba. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that an app for like buying clothes? I don't fucking know. I'm not Chinese. No, I th- American people shop on it. I think. Hold on. I thought this was a clothing app. I don't yep. told you. About Alibaba that. is one of the world's largest retailer and e-commerce companies. So, uh, my roommate, right? He plays games. Uh, I assume with other Chinese people based on the language he is speaking. Um, Which is Chinese? Yes. I thought that would be clear. Um, <laughs> anyway. I just wanted to be sure. Um, he uses this, like, scuffed version of, like, Chinese Discord. <laughs> which looks really funny. Like, the color scheme is, like, gray and green. And it, it's just kind of silly. And it, and like he also plays an off-brand of Among Us called like Goose Goose Duck. And oh my goodness! I think it's funny that even in America, like Chinese knockoffs persist. So I'm actually reading about the most recent conflict that China is actively involved in in the in the world. What's that? And it's it's a now 11 year running armed conflict um, in Mali. Where and the fuck is that? Africa, uh, Northwest oh, yeah. Africa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, get. The, I'm gonna list participants in this war. There's three sides. I'm gonna list the the two simpler sides first. There's the National Movement for the Liberation of Azawad, uh, and that's probably just some like people's liberation, Islamic people's liberation movement. And then on the other side, um, you basically just have uh a shitload of uh, uh, Muslim extremists like Boko Haram, ISIS, Nigerian jihadist volunteers, <laughs> Akim, the Ansar Dine, uh, and Al Qaeda, all pre- all present on on the other side. Now, the other side is um, is kind of like when the good guys and the bad guys team up to stop um, an even worse guy. So. Um, <laughs> The active participants, and I'm going to list every single one of them, and it gets more bizarre as it keeps going. Algeria, Angola, Australia, Bangladesh, Belgium, Bulgaria, Cambodia, Canada, Comoros, the Czech Republic, Denmark, the EU, Germany, Hungary, India, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Mauritania, Morocco, Namibia, Nepal, the Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Spain, Turkey, Ukraine, the United Arab Emirates, the United Kingdom, the United States, Vietnam, the FLNA, <laughs> the MSA, Gatia, and to cap it all off, 
the Wagner Group. <laughs> Fucking what? One of the one of the uh, leading commanders in this in this war, Emmanuel Macron, my man. No fucking. This is just every country in the world trying to stop ISIS. Wait, hang on. There's a Russian commander on this list. Yeah, like I said, the Wagner Group is present in this in this conflict. Ugh. On the side of every single like NATO country. Oh, uh, I believe you forgot to mention uh, Benin, uh, Burkina Faso, Cape Verde, Gambia, Ghana, Guinea, Guinea-Bissau, the Ivory Coast, Liberia, Niger, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Senegal, and Togo also on the good guy side. Oh, Random wait, what is nations. the United Nations Multidimensional Integration Stabil- Stabilization Mission in Mali? Oh my gosh, what a mouthful. Minisma. And then there's an ECOWAS. This is the art of war. Is you don't have any enemies if you're allied with everyone except ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> There's an entire belligerent in this country in this war that is just listed as MIA. The Islamic <laughs> movement of Ottawa is listed as missing in action. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's actually just the acronym for the You're movie. fucking dumb. Man. <laughs> I thought it was well, it just well, said, I don't know, they all went missing. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's it, the actual, it's the Islamic movement of Azawad, so it should be I-M-A, but it says M-I-A in um, the little parentheses. But I guess that also makes sense for the National Movement for the Liberization of Azawad being M-N-L-A. That's stupid. Apparently Al-Qaeda is still presently there, but uh, the Nigerian jihadist volunteers dropped out after a year. Pussy. Wow, this is incredible. How can every country in the world not stop, like, just a couple of guys in Toyota Hiluxes? Yes, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, you have every, almost every great military in the world. And then a couple other guys. Yeah, they're not, like, focused on Mali, I don't think. But they're at least given support. No, Man, one of, half so the fucking... half the belligerents on on that long list side. They're all in a UN special group dedicated to solely Mali. Oh well, that's why there's nothing happening. They're on a UN group. So also, it just seems like this is like the laziest war ever. Go go scroll down and look at the strength numbers. ISIS could only commit like twelve hundred guys to the job. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Ro- Romania contributed one dude. One. <laughs> <laughs> one Romanian guy is, is on the case. Hang on. Let me do some quick math here. All right. All right. So hang on. Okay. I'm going to be going with the higher estimates wherever there are estimates just to get like a. F- oh, wait. Never mind. It totals up for me. 23,000 plus 500. What? Hang on. 23,000. So there's. T- okay, call it 25,000 people on on the ally side, right? Yep. 3,000 for the uh, MNLA. Yep. 
and then three thousand, eh, call it three and a half thousand for ISIS. How the fuck is the war still going? I gotta find out what the MNLA is actually all about because, like, why are they their own dudes? They are eight. What the fuck to is Berberism? Berberism. It's a political and cultural movement of, of ethnic, geographic, or cultural nationalism. Started mainly in Kabylia, Algeria, and in Morocco, later spreading to the rest of the Berber communities in the Maghreb regions of North Africa. Okay, hang on. I really want to meet the eight Irishmen that were assigned to this. I want to meet the one Romanian guy. His whole <laughs> they they probably picked just the greatest kleptomaniac in the country and were like, please go steal everything. No, okay. There are eight there's a squad of Irishmen. Just somewhere here. They have to be just living it up. There's no way they're not. Right? Am, am I, am I the wrong? The Irish guy's just that? hanging out? Yeah, the Irish guy is just hanging out. So it looks like, okay, what this is, all right, you got... It looks the like you got the... Greek the, guys. The three, the three main factions here of this conflict seem to be the sitting government of Mali. Right a nationalistic party that's trying to do a coup and then and ISIS and ISIS and Al-Qaeda trying to stop both of them it they're all trying to stop it's, it's, this is the great African rock paper scissors <laughs> who gets control the government, the terrorists, or the white guys I don't think any of them are white guys what? so the government of Mali is the rock. What do you think the Irishmen uh, are? What are you saying that if this, if the, if the, if the longest list of belligerents win this war, they're putting the eight Irish guys in charge of Mali? <laughs> I fucking hope so. That'd be hilarious. You kidding me? I hope. I know. I want it to be the one Romanian guy. Oh, hang on. I haven't looked at the casualties yet. Okay. So, good lord. Casualties, right? Uh huh. Um. ISIS has taken. I'm just. I'm just going to refer to ISIS as the entire side of the war, right? Okay. They've taken, call that three thousand casualties. Okay. Um, the coup government took. Ah shit! They have to give massive fucking ranges because they can't verify anything for shit. Call it fifty, a hundred, buck fifty. Call it two hundred and fifty casualties. Which is starkingly like way lower. Um, one Chinese man died. No. <laughs> um, the Damn city it. government took about two thousand casualties. If you're counting captured. Um, yeah. Deserted. You have the entire world on your side, and you're deserting. Oh my god. Literally the the uh, the people in ISIS and this fringe nationalist <laughs> party they do not flinch. <laughs> no one has deserted. They are killing and dying joyously. And then you have the entire fucking world on your side and you're deserting. Yeah, Jordan. Oh my gosh. Jordan has their casualties casualties listed as 1 plus. What does that oh, mean? Oh, there's a there's this, there's another side that I don't even believe is listed. Oh, huh. this all started with an absolute shit show. Uh, mutinous. This was uh, 
this was right after a presidential election, or right before a presidential election. The president was coup d'etat by mutinous soldiers calling themselves the National Committee for the Restoration of Democracy and State. They took control and immediately suspended the Constitution. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh my, I can't, you know what? Oh my gosh. So a month after this coup, no, two weeks after this coup, the nationalist terrorist group said it had accomplished its goals and called off the offensive on the government. The following day, it proclaimed the independence of Northern Mali from the rest of the country, naming it Azawad. Uh, they were initially they were initially backed by the Islamic terror group Ansar Dine. After the Malian military was driven from northern Mali, Ansar Dine and a number of smaller Islamic groups began imposing strict Sharia law. The, the, ML, <laughs> the MLA and Islamics and Islamists struggled to reconcile their conflicting visions for an intended new state. Afterwards, the MLA began fighting the Islamic terror groups. Uh, including the Movement for Oneness and Jihad in Western Africa, also known as the Mojwa Mujau, a splinter group of Al oh, a splinter group of Al Qaeda. Wow. Uh, by July of the same year, 2012, the MNLA had lost control of most of northern Mali to the Islamists. The government of Mali asked for foreign military to help retake the north. In January of 2013, the French military began Operation. Operations against Islamists, forces from the African Union states were deployed. Okay, I think uh, we have to, we all have to, to like swallow a really hard pill. Looking at the we numbers, getting, we ain't getting Molly back, bro. No, 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 no. Worse than that, right? Looking at the numbers of this war and how stacked the deck seems to be, do we have to acknowledge that ISIS is the master of the art of war? Yeah, they they take shit. They strike what is weak. I'm sure they've got spies. I'm sure they got to have some spies somewhere. They probably got the most the most complex like, like the most simple yet efficient spy network ever. Cuz like uh I feel like when a like a government official from a western country has to go somewhere and spy, he's really out of his element. He's never like especially if he's early in his career, he's never yeah. had to do that before. But if you're a member of ISIS, you're just a guy. You're just a dude. <laughs> you already know what you, – you probably already live there because it's like ISIS is just constantly on their own turf. Yeah. Like uh, the best part about civil war in such a small area that like any African country is so different in civil war rule from like the United States, China, or Russia, or any large body of land – because, like, you got a really small area to learn, so everywhere is, like, what Sun Tzu was calling, like, the, the serious land. It's all serious land. <laughs> Nowhere is safe. But also, in that same way, everyone can just be a guy. Yeah. Especially if you're in a terror group, you're just a dude. Like, uh, I feel like that's what made the global war on terror is so complicated was because like it was just the only the only the only the only difference between a member of al-qaeda and just a guy was a gun yeah if a like if a guy put his gun down he could just blend into a crowd you have no fucking idea not to say 
the, they all look the same, but like they all. I was the thinking same. that. And I was totally thinking that, like, oh, that's a little topical, don't you think? But, but because, you... like, I like since like the best thing about Gorilla Terror is you just dress in normal guy clothes. Yeah. Be an everyman, and you win. And that's what they did. They won. The yeah. war, terror, terror won the war on terror, <laughs> and drugs won the war on drugs. The U.S. is not following the art of war because it's not striking what is weak. It's just ramming its head into, like, a wall made of nails. You know, I was thinking about this in the shower the other day, right? The past few times the U.S. has tried to, like, stop a major, like, societal problem, it's failed horribly. Yeah, I'm like, gonna uh, start, I'm gonna start. Lyndon B. Johnson, Great Society, literally just created Section 8 housing and the opioid crisis. I'm going to start all the way back in the early 1900s, right? Prohibition. Prohibition. That's right. Prohibition. I'm not going to explain shit. Prohibition led to the mafia. That's just, like, fact, right? No one's going to contest that, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I mean, the same way that the war on drugs just... The war on drugs and, like, uh, the Obama administration's attempt at curbing the cartel... I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Okay. okay. So, the government created the mafia. Then they went, fuck, we made the mafia. What do we do now? So they came up with the RICO Act, and the RICO Act let them more freely go after mob bosses, right? That, yeah, that was about, uh, like, if they can tie, if they are all pooling their money in an organized way, they can be all charged, be sa- all be charged with the same felony. Right. So that did a really good job at dissembling the mafia. What that didn't do was stop crime, because now crime was just fucking everywhere. And now that there was no longer organized crime, there was a disorganized crime, which was arguably worse for most cities in the U.S. Guerrilla crime. Yeah, literally. Like, okay, I live in Chicago. I don't need to explain what's going on here, but at least... Italian, that's too. Yeah, I don't need to explain why, like, at least it was better when you knew what was up. Like, now it's everywhere where it used to be, like, condensed... And at least Al Capone set up soup shops, right? Like, yeah. Fucking... <laughs> uh... I mean, like, I feel like the early mafia was only, like, they were only fighting unjust laws. That and, like, just for, like, profit margins. It was, like, come to my speakeasy. <laughs> yeah, like, uh... The, the only reason fighting, they were fighting, fighting the they were it was illegal to do the business they were in. That was the whole, like, wise guy thing. Like, they were the cops for people who couldn't go to the cops. Am I wrong in my... What I think is true is that Al Capone was never even arrested for, like, prohibition violation. It was, like, tax evasion. evasion. Tax evasion. That's what put him away. So, like, the mafia was never... they The mafia initially did nothing wrong. I'm going to say it. The mafia did nothing wrong until, like, they were pushed into a corner by the government. They were fighting prohibition, which is wrong, and what quickly became, like, an awful U.S. government to live under. Like, Woodrow Wilson was a piece of shit. Fuck Woodrow. That's the podcast official stance. Woodrow Wilson, uh, fuck you. Fuck Woodrow Wilson. Fuck Lyndon B. Johnson. Fuck FDR. Fuck Ronald Reagan. Fuck every president since Ronald Reagan, except okay. maybe Jimmy Carter. He was back, a sweet back on topic, boy. Tristan. Back on back on topic, right? So disorganized crime, they lose a lot of their morals, right? So what do they do? 
They go to increase pop profit margins. How do you do that? Fucking drugs. This gives way to demand for stuff like cocaine. Where do you get cocaine? South America. This gives way to the cartel. I don't need to explain what the fuck happened with the cartels, but U.S. government goes, hey, the cartels are a problem. We should deal with this problem. And the war on drugs was fucking abysmal. Like, their entire thought was to cut off the head of the snake, right? The whole Pablo Escobar thing. Yeah. And that blew up in their face, too, because they cut off the head of the snake. Turns out it's a fucking hydra. Now there's too many snakes to keep track of. Same thing that happened with the mafia, right? Now there's a bunch of smaller cartels that you can't really nail down because they're so fucking snaky. Vinny, are you familiar with Operation Fast and Furious? I am not, but that sounds fucking hilarious. It is. Oh, you're going to laugh really hard. Okay, so this is why I said fuck the Obama administration um, right. was because uh, in during the Obama administration, well, I guess this might have started partially with who was the president in 2006? Was that Bush? That was Bush because Obama was elected in 2008. Um, so basically starting towards the end of the Bush administration and just – walking into the obama administration i guess this was like post 9 11 so this is basically when like the atf and the department of homeland security and ice and uh anyone like that just basically got to make their own rules as long as they were saying we're fighting terror um so they a term was introduced called gun walking um and it was when the atf uh ran a series of sting operations where they intentionally allowed uh, licensed firearm dealers to sell weapons to illegal straw buyers, hoping to track the guns to Mexican cartel leaders and arrest them. Um, so this is this was under the term Project Gunrunner, which they thought that if they could find who was selling the guns illegally and to who they were selling the guns illegally by following this middleman between the two, they would be able to stop all three simultaneously. Right. Um, so what actually happened is uh, this became what was called Operation Fast and Furious. And so they were basically just watching illegal arms trafficking happen, just watching it go on. And so they were like, we got this in the bag. And so they would watch this middleman illegally buy just an absolute shitload of, probably at the time, probably actually military-grade firearms. Not this shit now where it's like an, like an AR-15 is a military-grade firearm. For the record, obviously, no, it's not. But yes, fuck it is. What? all this. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's an M4. No, it's it's literally it's no, same no. Shit. It is no, the same no, no. Shit. You're really, tr you're really, you're really caving in my argument right now. But also, it's not really. Um, no, there's no what? select. You, yeah, the select fire is the only difference between the two rifles. Like it's the same rifle, just without a funny switch. That's whatever. Keep going. Funny switch is what makes it cool. Anyway, um. So, actually, what ended up happening is once these guns crossed the border, these straw buyers just disappeared. <laughs> they could not track them anymore. <laughs> so, actually, so actually um, if I'm reading correctly, at least 2,000 firearms Jesus fuck. Uh, crossed the border and disappeared. <laughs> And uh, so basically they just armed at least 2,000 people. Apparently they recovered 710 as of 2012. Um, 
and none of the high-level cartel figures have ever been arrested for this. And what's actually ended up happening is um, a lot of U.S. Border Patrol agents were murdered, and the ATF actually became incredibly disgruntled with their leadership doing this. Um, and the Mexican government got mad because the U.S. basically just allowed arms trafficking across the borders in some pathetic attempt to catch anyone. Right. And actually, in 2012, Attorney General Eric Holder of the United States became the first sitting member of the cabinet ever to be held in contempt of Congress. Um, and Barack Obama invoked executive privilege for the first time in his presidency in order to withhold documents that were not generated in the course of the conduct of Fast and Furious. Um, hilarious. Hilarious. Um, there were a lot of these operations. They all are, so I don't really care. There were a lot of these operations where similar things were attempted. Um, in Operation Wide Receiver in 2006, uh, almost 500 guns made it across the border. Um, hilarious. Hilarious. I think the idea of a war crime is funny. Um, <laughs> take that out of context. <laughs> like, the idea that there are rules of... And I, I agree with the idea, but the idea that there are, like, some rules of war that you shouldn't break for the quality of your opponent i i think that's an odd thing that we've all kind of agreed on like don't be too much of a dick when you're at war well i honestly think the rules of war are probably more relaxed than they've ever been yeah no like uh the, the whole like world war one was the last gentleman's war right isn't that a yes. phrase yes i mean you could just read like two books storm of steel and all quiet on the western front and World War One was simultaneously uh, humanity at its most barbaric but most gentlemanly. Simultaneously. Yeah. Like, uh, they had in bizarre mannerisms, like respecting the other combatant. But then they would just drop canisters that, like, just turned your opponent into, like, a weird chemical raisin. At the same time. Yeah. Uh, and it was, like, it's bizarre, just things that happened. Like, uh, they dressed really nicely. I was, like, I, I read this book when I was, like, you know, the Discovery Interactive or whatever? Yeah. Those kids' the, books that used to just be about, yeah. Um, one of them, it had, like, a picture of a German trench early in the war. The Germans never expected to retreat backwards from those trenches. So trenches like closer to the homeland were like decorated like some sort of outdoor ballroom. They had like cloth tablecloths with like dollies and stuff on them. Hmm. Um and then like obviously every single person in the world knows about like the Christmas truce. Yeah. Like they just stopped blowing each other's legs <laughs> off. And they were like, yeah, what if we play a game of soccer and smoke cigarettes for three days? Uh, and then just on the third, on the fourth day, they were like, all right, we can shoot each other again. <laughs> um, it also feels like uh, you after ev like World War II forward, it feels like after every time there's some sort of violent conflict, whoever the 
ag- agitator or um, aggressor is there's permanently some sort of like ethnic or racial bias against them. But it feels like after World War One that wasn't so much of a thing. I think everyone involved is just like, okay, we're fucking done now. Yeah. Uh, cause like World War One was basically just like a familial drama across Europe. Yeah. That the three brothers somehow needed like, that just needed a bunch of peons to die in the most gruesome ways imaginable at the hands of previously unseen technology. Okay, so. You've said peons a couple times now, right? Uh-huh. Um, I don't like the word peon as a word. Like, it doesn't rub me the wrong way or anything. I just think it sounds too funny to be a word. Um, yeah. Which which reminded me, I was going to bring this up earlier. Um, you, you run a Windows machine, right? Uh, you, you don't have a computer? Fuck. Uh, so you know how in the search bar, it'll sometimes, like, randomly give you art? Yeah. There's been a quagga. In my search bar this entire time. Oh, what? A what? <laughs> a quagga? Did you just make that word up? Uh, no. Q-A-G-G-A, the weird zebra horse? Yeah, there's been a quagga. Okay. And is, is that similar <laughs> to your reaction to peon? Yeah, I, I get the same feeling. Can you imagine a peon riding... Can you, yeah. can, you, can you imagine a peon riding a quagga into battle? <laughs> You know what? I can. Um, but yeah, like, uh, back to the earliest, earliest point. Uh, every time a government tries to curb a behavior through legislation, they exacerbate the problem infinity times. Can we really? Because there's like, there's no. I can. Um, it's. It's it lacks, I guess, like social engineering on a pretty massive scale is fairly new. Um, it clearly there's been like common thought that has been influenced slowly throughout the history of the world, but only recently are we using it as like a like a intentional tool. Like we are going to change the way everyone thinks. Um, and the war on drugs, uh, prohibition, the war on terror, uh, the war on gun ownership, you could almost call it, uh, or anything like that done by any government ever, has been a ham-fisted, loudly announced motion with poor execution. And the whole art of war, a 2,500-year-old at least, set of ideals is about moving without predictability convincing your opponent that you're doing something else uh having a little tact and forethought in what you're doing and having an inside man at least in the along the route that you're trying to walk it's uh and 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 metaphorical and literal high ground. The war on drugs, the war on terror, the war on X, Y, Z has violated every principle of that. They're just loudly announcing to the world, "This is what we're doing, and this is how we're going to do it." And also, the people we're doing it to hate us. Literally, we can't even persuade P 
people in that group to even remotely try to side with us. The hearts um, and minds we, fucking hate us. We do not have a moral or physical high ground to stand on. We're greatly outnumbered by people who disagree with us. And so every time they do that, uh, it, they are, uh, they're, they're violating the, the art of war rule that you should not fight a battle you can't win or yeah. you will suffer. Only, let me go back up to the beginning because there's, uh, okay, there's a handful of laws. There's five laws that Sun Tzu says you have to follow. Mm-hmm. There's the moral law. Uh, the heaven law, the earth law, the law of commanders, and the law of method and discipline, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through and talk about how the U.S. has fucked up every single one of these laws. The moral law causes the people to be in accord with the ruler so they will follow him regardless of their lives, undismayed by any danger. This was almost fucking self-explanatory. Like, every single war the U.S. has fought since, like, what, World War II has been unpopular, and even World War II wasn't that big of, like, a, a, a like support thing? I would say that the U.S. has not fought a war for moral reasons uh, since the Revolutionary War. May, war say, of 1812. The War of 1812 was the I last would, I would say war. Civil war. I'd say that was a moral war. That was a moral war, but um, I'll it explain this It wasn't for theory. moral reasons, but it was a moral war. No, and here's what here's here's my here's my brief disagreeance because this episode's getting very long. Um, the the Civil War, um, the North can claim that it was for some abolition of slavery. The South can claim that it was for some states' rights completely unrelated to slavery. But really, it is it was a completely economic war. One hundred percent. The South could have economically survived without the north but the north uh the north had to win because they could not they could not maintain industry without beating the south into submission slavery or not you know they had farms in the north right they did but they did not have the same agricultural potential as the south and the territories the south was taking in the west the Midwest has is like the agricultural center of the U.S., dude. Maybe now, but definitely but, it was not as fleshed out. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Nor as settled. Law number two, the law of heaven, uh, signifies night and day, cold and heat, times and seasons. I don't actually, this one's kind of ambiguous. I'm, I'm not, I can't think of any specific example. Okay. We can, we can, no, okay. We, time. I, the, I would relate that to the Chinese mandate of heaven, which was. Uh, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, this idea that if you were not uh, moral and honoring in your rulings, whether it be in peace or in war, that fate or some divine intervention would kill you, whether it's a flood or peasant uprising. Uh, you see, you, have you, be... you can say that all you want. This is literally just talking about, like, weather conditions. Oh, is it really? Yes. Night and day, cold and heat, times and seasons. Your weather Heck conditions. All, I'm going to pretend that he meant something deep and metaphorical and that he wasn't just explaining weather to rich people. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Whatever. I So call that one a wash. I, I can't 
think of any reason they fucked that one up, but they probably did. Hurricane uh, Katrina. <laughs> Katrina. Um, Law of the Earth uh, composes distances, great and small, danger and security, open ground and narrow spaces, the chances of life and death. Fucking everything in the Middle East. Literally everything in the Middle East. Fuck that entire area. Afghanistan has always been impossible to invade. Alexander couldn't. The Soviets couldn't. We couldn't. I think China's trying now. Um, China is economically invading, which is probably the smartest way anyone's ever done it. Yeah. Um, love the commander stands for the virtues of wisdom, sincerity, benevolence, courage, and strictness. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone in the U.S. military that enjoyed their time. I, th- I don't think anyone really cares much. General for Douglas it. MacArthur. Yeah, well, he was a that little was, overzealous, that, wasn't he? No, that <laughs> that is a man that understood the art of war. He realized that we had fifty nukes and we could have used each and every <laughs> one of them on Korea. That is, that's he true. also kind of he also kind of steamrolled the Japanese in the Pacific. Let's be real. Yeah. Okay. So everyone but Douglas MacArthur fucking hates the U.S. military. Um. And then the law of method and discipline. By method and discipline are to be understood. Wait. By method and discipline are to be understood the marshalling of the army and its proper subdivisions, the graduations of its rank among officers, the maintenance of roads by which supplies may reach the army, and the control of military expenditure. I don't think we have much control of military expenditure. And I don't know if you've seen the, the meals they serve on like aircraft carriers, but they look fucking disgusting. Like, have you seen the, the bread rot on... It's like the one big one. Hang on. U.S. aircraft carriers. Uh, cool. Thanks for not telling me, asshole. Uh, the U.S.S. Nimitz. The U.S.S. Nimitz has had a lot of fucking problems with, like, literally rancid food being served. Mm-hmm. Um, like, bread covered in mold. Chicken that's just seared on the outside and served raw. Like, so you were were you talking about um the management of assets in that description? Like uh, management of assets, um maintenance of roads for supplies, which you know, you can adapt that to modern day. Graduations of rank among officers, I think that's just like having proper hierarchy. And marshalling of the army and its proper subdivisions. Uh so uh now is when I would like to tell everyone in our audience who doesn't know that as of January 20th, 2023, the Pentagon cannot account for $220 billion in government property and failed its fifth audit. <laughs> they failed it its fifth not, audit, and they it still... Not prove ex- it, it could not prove expenditures for 61% of its $3.5 trillion in assets. And by, and uh, they just hired how many IRS agents to come to your house if you Venmo someone too much? Right. Fuck. Uh. Anyway, I feel I, I feel like that was a good way. We you know what we we got to our goal. We applied the art of war to modern day. So we did. And with that, I would like to tell everyone, uh, good night. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you know what? You might be listening to this in the morning. Still, good night. Um, and go to bed uh, immediately next week, a different book. Goodbye, everybody.
war. War never changes. <laughs>